Hello. Howdy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, ABC Chris, Movies. Yes, ABC Movies, as you might colloquially. I've been referring to that as a way to just say it quicker. I have been doing that also. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chafin. I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Shively. That's great stuff, man. Uh, so this week on the show, we're going to talk about a brand new movie that has been getting some press, I would say. Some um, nice press. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's The Souvenir uh, starring Tilda Swinton and her daughter, uh, Honor Burns Swinton, really not starring Tilda Swinton. She's just in it uh, for a second. She casts a spell over it and brought in some audience who knows who she is. <laughs> That's very true. And then, um, uh, so the reason we picked the second film was that it also features a, uh, parent and child acting duo although i would say i discovered another connection which is nostalgia uh oh, sure and this movie is 1988's tucker a man and his dream oh, oh. sure yeah they, they both throw back um there's probably a lot of movies about nostalgia that's true <laughs> <laughs> i you know what caleb i think you're totally right about that i think there are a lot of movies about nostalgia yeah, um, most Transformers movies. Most Transformers movies are about nostalgia. Not the first one, though. <laughs> well, because they like turn into old cars and old trucks. That oh, remind I guess us that of... I guess that is true. I corrected myself within a joke. Um, <laughs> I actually haven't seen those movies. Um, that's very sad to hear. Uh, anyway, that's the stuff we're going to be talking about uh, <laughs> this week on actually best, best choice, choice movies. movies. Before we get to any of that, uh, Caleb, what have you been watching this week, little oh, cowboy? Oh, man. I've uh, been catching up on 2019. It is, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be June. Yes. That's the six-month mark. We are in the point where most things that came out earlier in the year are available to watch or stream. I was going to say most things that came out earlier in the year you've totally forgotten. And oh, so... yeah. And I've caught up on a lot of those. Uh, there's a movie called Piercing. Uh, was starred Chris Abbott and... Mia Wasikowska, whose name I always oh, forget how yeah. to pronounce. Is that uh, how you? Is that is that how you do it? I feel like you that's knew not who right. I was talking about, but you got what I said. Isn't though. it like Mia Wasikowski? That it? could be it. My name's Mia Wasikowska. That's yeah. the Wasikowski brothers, though. <laughs> or brothers? Well, they're not brothers anymore. And that's not yeah. Wasikowski. It's yeah. different. Andy and Lana Wachowski. But anyway, that's what she's been up to. And this movie, uh, it's fine. It gets. It's only eighty-eight minutes, which is kind of weird, but. The plot is uh, he doesn't want to kill his baby, so he goes and kills a prostitute instead. But like the prostitute turns out Wait. to also have some stuff in her. She's like crazy and wants to die. So take her home and stop her, right? Yeah. Uh, it's from uh, based on a novel by Ryu Murakami. Uh, oh, a different Murakami. Yeah. yeah. He also did the short story that was audition. So there's a lot of oh, violence really? okay. in his guys. I was going to say, so just to back up for a second, he wants to murder his baby, which I have questions about, sure. but let's table those. And so instead of murdering his really baby, answer the he murders a prostitute. He wants to, but then there's a twist with the prostitute, which is Mia Wasikowska. Mia Wasikowska? What I'm wondering is how, Piercing. in what way is a prostitute and his baby are similar enough that the urge oh, he just to wants murder, to get the kill out. They were urged to murder he just one wants of to them. Get, get the kill out of the system. Okay, so there's Which not is better. Like, he didn't want to like ruin his baby. He loves that baby, kind of. I guess. <laughs> and I will say, you would ruin the baby if you murdered yes. it. That does. Uh, and I would say it's about thirty percent good. Like when they actually ramps up its violence, it's kind of cool. But for the most part, it's kind of a slog to get through. Yeah. Uh, that came out this year. I also watched uh, the Sam Elliott vehicle, uh, the man who killed Hitler, and then B the Bigfoot. Oh, I kind of wanted to see that. Yeah, actually. so it has this How really big B movie title, and that's kind of the whole weird joke of the movie is that it's like it kind of plays as this B movie, but never the shoe never drops, and so it's like this really emotional portrait of a man at the last stages of his life who had accomplished so much and is still accomplishing things. So is it uh, Sam Elliott's like really good in it. Is it kind of like Big Fish? Is it like have a no, Big Fish energy? Not at all. Uh, it really is just a, hey, we need to find this great guy because Bigfoot has a disease. And so like they go and talk to him. And then it's there's because, like... Wait, it's because Bigfoot has a disease? That's yeah, it's the like start, it's the plague, like the Black Plague. Oh, okay. And it's going to spread across the entire world. So they need to kill okay. Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, and there's a fight scene with Sam Elliott and Bigfoot. That's like the only as B as it gets, but it's not really. I was gonna say if there's a fight scene with Bigfoot, I think that counts as the other shoe dropping. But not really the way it's handled. It's only like within like this movie's like two hours long, and that's like two a, a minute of the movie. 
it really is just like flashing back to his life and just like a portrait of a man. Things I could have done differently. Regrets. I shot someone during the war. Mm, nice. Uh, it's kind of like a weird cosmic joke <laughs> that they call, named his movie this. Much much like life, Caleb. Oh, is that, for yeah. sure. Uh, and the last movie I caught up with, uh, I'm a fan of S. Craig Zoller. Uh, his movies, not so much his politics. If I can say I'm a fan of S. Cargo. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, <laughs> Maison Yaki has S. Cargo. Oh, yeah. I actually don't like Escargo. Uh, I've never had it in my life. Have you been to Mason yet? No, I haven't. No, it's pretty good. Yeah. I love that <laughs> you know, if you, you stole the high status back from me like no. very quickly. <laughs> well, actually, in real life, I just ate my Mace, joke Mace But S. Craig Zoller, uh, he did Bone Tomahawk, which is brutal. I mm. love it. And Richard Jenkins gets to do some cool shit in that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then he followed it up with a movie I liked a lot called... Uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99 with Vince Vaughn, which is amazing. Oh, wait, this is the same guy that got dragged across concrete? And that's why I just saw it, dragged across concrete, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Somehow I didn't recognize it when you... S- say it how you say it again? Uh, S. Craig Zoller? Oh, no, I guess you didn't say the name of the movie. Oh, no, I uh, guess I didn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw Dragged Across Concrete. My friend my friend Ricky loves, loves this guy, loves him to death. See, I like his movies, but... <sighs> He's like uh, very much a conservative. I mean, like Mel Gibson is in Dragon. Yes, and they, they cast Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, two popular conservatives. They cast them to be cops. They're cops in this movie, and that's definitely some stunt casting because they doesn't they don't portray them as likable people at all. <laughs> like the very first scene, or well, very se- the second scene, their first appearance is them uh, overstepping their bounds on an on arrest. Really, uh, and then Don Johnson, who's the uh, who's the lead detective, is like. <laughs> You went overboard. You're losing perspective and compassion. There's a reason. I'm sitting behind this desk running things. And you're out there with a partner that's 20 years younger than you. Stuff like that. Okay, uh, it's like very cop movie. It is very cop movie. It's very like a pot boiler kind of a throwback a little bit. Uh, but he just, he's such a good filmmaker. He just finds the rhythm and just like the more mundane stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene where uh, they're doing a stakeout and Vince Vaughn, they show Vince Vaughn eating an entire sandwich. <laughs> It's awesome, <laughs> but the violence. Craig, uh, Craig I mean, it's the violence is the thing, right? Oh, like Craig Zoller, uh, Bone Tomahawk had an amazing. Uh, someone literally gets ripped in half in that scene. Uh, I love the. I think it's the last fight in Brawl and So Block Ninety Nine. He steps on a dude's head. That's not enough. Drags that head as he's stepping oh, on it. Yeah. Ooh, this one has some cool stuff. Like, there's an aside where he's like a cruel director. There's a side where, like, for no reason, we just visit this. Uh, unnamed character. Uh, she doesn't want to leave home. She's had a baby. She used up all her vacation days. She still wants to stay with her baby. Uh, she, it's her first day back. She goes to the bank, and of course, she she gets killed. She gets killed. Yeah, okay, it's, okay, it's yeah, fucking right. brutal. Yeah, of, course, of course, he does shit like that. Uh, yeah, there's a scene. Uh, Michael Michael uh, Michael J White. Uh, yeah, I think that's his name. Black Dynamite. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, gets his guts pulled out of him. Oh my god. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. It's a pretty cool movie. See, Caleb, this is, I will say to you what I said to Ricky, and I've said to you many times on this show. You're a baby boy. I'm a good boy. <laughs> I don't like bad boy stuff. That sounds like some grade A bad boy nonsense. Hey, without, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. bad, there would be no good. I don't, I don't like bad boys. Within a yang, there's a yang, or a yang yang. <laughs> I, I, we have, Ricky has, this, I have heard these movies described to me in great detail, and they sound like fucking oh, disgusting. Oh, yeah, I love Blow, They're Blow, so Blow, disgusting. Tomahawk. Yeah, uh, I can't watch this. It, is it because is it like is it like that eighties kind of stuff where it's obvious that it's a fake head that's getting exploded? Oh, or does it, it look real. Yeah, there, uh, more so in Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Uh, but yeah, there is like a pretty. It's not too bad. Uh, so it, like the festival, the special effects are good. You would say like uh, it looks real. I would just on. A, I would give it a B. A B. A yeah. B. Dude, that's the thing. That was the thing about a movie like Green Room to me was not that the violence was necessarily like so out of control, but it looked so real yeah. that it was like I I just felt like I was watching these things really yeah, happen. Eric Alderson getting his stomach ripped open. Or yeah, or when him uh, what's his face uh, who died Anton uh, Yelkin. Yelkin like breaks his wrist. Oh, yeah. It looks so real, like it's crazy. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and it makes me makes my skin crawl. And I don't like it. Uh, see. That's the feeling. That's why movies are magic and great. Is like you don't get to, you shouldn't experience that stuff in real life. Thank goodness we're not experiencing that yeah, stuff right. in real life. So we get to have these weird, uncomfortable feelings that we could never really imagine for ourselves, thanks to movies, <laughs> thanks to fucked up people like S. Craig Zoller. Uh, there's a safe scene if you ever want to watch a safer scene that's awesome in the S. Craig Zoller movie. In Brawl and Sobok '99, he fights a car. Like he just gets really mad and just beats up a car. That's it's awesome. Really funny. I it's like really really cool. It's Vince Vaughn doing it too. Who's an okay actor now? 
Is he? Is he? Like, I watched that season of True Detective that he did. I thought it was terrible. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I like Clay Pigeons from back in the day. Yeah, sure. I mean, I you know, Swingers <laughs> had a big impact on my life. I mean, uh, I'm not we bring up Swingers too much on this podcast it's because it's such an important <laughs> film, Caleb. It's such an important uh, film. Oh yeah, speaking. What uh, are the odds? Like, can I just ask you a question? So I'm thinking now about: it. Am I allowed to put in a bunch of drops of Vince Vaughn saying all his catchphrases from Swingers? Our little babies all grows up. You know what? Shut up! Come on. No, no. Our little babies all grows up. You have to in the section uh, only from about Fred Claus. No, Fred Claus. I'm going to do both. I'm going to do both. Baby, you are so money and you don't even know it. Does he have catchphrases in Fred Claus? Have you? Actually, I would like to see Fred Claus. Oh, so you're making that up. You don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. I would like to see Fred Claus because Paul Giamatti probably does a pretty good Santa. Why'd you get a dog? I'm going to make it this year. Why don't I get a dog? What are you going to do with a reindeer? Can't fetch anything. Dogs can't fly. Can't bark. But a dog can't fly. I would imagine his Santa's all right. Yeah, I'm sure he's good at everything he does. Yeah. Is it like a harried and overweight and slightly sweaty Santa Claus? No, 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 no. <laughs> I can't do it. No, 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 no. Isn't that like that Shia LaBeouf thing is that he screams no in like every Transformers movie? Just like that, like a thousand times? he was only in the first Transformers movie. We're talking about Transformers a lot, man. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. no. No, 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 no. Oh my god. I love how I think anxious. I just established that I do not watch the I love how like anxious it makes you to just talk about this garbage that is actually the <laughs> things that naturally are coming up. <laughs> Natural garbage. Natural 2019. garbage. 2019. But then I think you saw a movie, Caleb, that was also the only movie I've seen. Yes. That we're not gonna talk about on the show. We're not gonna talk about it, but, but, but it we're is, about to talk uh, about it. We could discuss it because I just talked a while and you could talk some now. Uh but yeah, I saw this in theaters. It's in theaters now, Olivia Wilde's Dirk Trilled debut. Uh, book smart. That's book smart. Yes, directed by Olivia Wilde uh, and starring a bunch of nice Beanie people Feldstein, whose faces uh, I Caitlin recognize Devers. and whose names I don't know. Uh, Many Feldstein. Yeah, she's Jonah Hill's sister. Is that right? Jonah Hill's sister from yeah. Lady Bird. From also Lady Bird, in the yeah. season of What We Do in the Shadows. Oh yeah, I haven't been watching that. That's great. <laughs> uh, Caitlin Devers, who we talked about her in, uh, we talked about yeah in Short Term Twelve. Short Term Twelve. Our yeah. Brie Larson episode. I was I, I texted you after I saw the yeah. movie because I realized it was her from Short Term yeah, Twelve. She was so good in that. They're very good in this movie. Oh my god, she's like so amazing. Mm-hmm. She's extremely charming in this movie. Uh, it's great to watch. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a, there's a lot of powerful moments in it. Uh, it does like the cliches and tropes are there, which is probably good for a first time director to just like go to station to yeah, station yeah. like that. It's teens overnight trying to party. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see somebody on Twitter was like, "Hey, I think I'm going to write a movie about teens trying to get laid the night before they go off to college." <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. It's like every fucking teen yeah. movie. But there's enough original stuff in it. Uh, that I was like, oh yeah, this is. I'm never going to talk about in this movie. It's not my my sense of humor. I not not love it and go crazy for it. But this is a very good movie. I thought the movie was good, but I will say that as I watched it, it was. I felt like I was just hanging out with these characters, which I think is a real strength of the movie. But the I would say the flip side of that is when I walked out of the movie theater. I didn't really have, I was very happy and I had had a very enjoyable experience, but I didn't like remember a bunch of Retain, lines. Yeah. yeah. I just had this feeling of like, that was nice. It's a good you know? vibe. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff is where you get the rewatch on. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Right. Which, which is true. And kids, I think uh, as a movie for uh, this generation that like, what did we have? We had, well, I mean, you're a little bad, bit older than you me, know? super bads and uh, even Mean Girls was kind of great. Yeah. I mean, Mean Girls is great. Yeah. Um, I will say that, uh, so I saw it at BAM, the place we're always talking about, mm-hmm. Um, in there, I, there were no children. Yeah, there. I it saw was the same, only... same deal, yeah. Only adults. And I was telling you about this. We, we talked about this a little bit off mic. Sorry, guys. Burp. But um, everyone in the screening that I went to, which was just a normal you know, screening, uh, they were doing that like art movie laugh where it's like you're not so much laughing because you're you have found something funny enough to laugh. You're laughing to like signal to everyone else in the room that you get the joke uh-huh. and oh, uh-huh. like that kind of thing. And they people were doing it from the first second of the movie for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is it was both me and Catherine were so annoyed. We were so annoyed. But we were genuinely like we got over that to genuinely <laughs> enjoy the movie and laugh out loud legitimately our own our own selves a few times. Sure, sure, sure. 
but uh, that uh, that was weird definitely because mm-hmm. yeah. there's uh, there's this thing you can't talk about this movie without saying it's like it's this thing that people feel they should support like I definitely I mean I saw it on opening night like in part to support mm-hmm. it because there's this idea you know it's a woman director and it's women stars well, she and it's came a female out with story. a tweet about being like hey we're getting cream this weekend go see my movie exactly yeah so it's like this thing like you have to support it sure uh, also so support good movies partially why people were acting that way in, in the movie theater is, is, is what I mean oh really also a very solid movie what you do is you just cast well Allison Jones what up girl everybody uh, has great chemistry yeah, and everybody's um, funny together yeah no 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 not acceptable this is not okay who allowed you to be this beautiful who allowed you to be this beautiful who allowed you to take my breath Away. Will Forte's in this movie. Fucking love Will Forte. Will Forte's really good. Really good He's like movie. a dad. My favorite thing All of in this your movie. favorite comedians play dads in this movie. That's true. Dad, uh, mom, Mike, Michael Bryan doesn't play a dad. Michael Bryan plays the Hill Valley Strangler. <laughs> That's really funny. I like funny. Michael Bryan a lot. The spoiler alert, Caleb. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the best way to deal with spoilers is to just say them and then go eh, it's not a spoiler. maybe not, it's not. <laughs> maybe not is it, or well, maybe it doesn't happen i don't hey, know building the mystery believe me adia so the first movie we're going to talk about this week is a 2019 film by director jo- joanna hogg joanna hogg it's called the souvenir i feel as though i want to not not live my whole life in this very privileged um, part of the world I come from. I want to be really aware about what's going on around me. Sorry, sorry. Uh, The souvenir concerns Julia, a young and privileged film student in England, and her developing an intense relationship with an unreliable unreliable but charming leech. Uh, Julia is played by Honor Swinton Byrne. Uh, she's the epitome of innocence, and that's contrasted by Tom Burke's Anthony, who, again, is a leech. Uh, Anthony talks down and around to Julia, manipulating her uh, manipulating her attachment to him. And uh, another minor spoiler, his own heroin addiction. Mm. Uh, director Joanna Hogg fills out the story with Julia's film studies and struggles of a young woman finding her creative voice giving the film a meta and even autobiographical bent that swells the souvenir into an almost surreal territory and making hog-sweeping visuals even more majestic. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, I kind of love this movie. Did you really? Yeah, uh, interesting. Very much more temple. So I saw this the day after I saw Booksmart, uh, two wildly drastic mo- I, different I movies. I also saw it. Well, maybe like two yeah. days later. And I was like, yeah. Booksmart's good, but then this one's just much more in my tempo. Like interesting, interesting. Movie, like you have people have their own tempos for everything. Uh, this movie is within my tempo's wheelhouse. My tempo has a wheelhouse. My tempo has a wheelhouse. Which is the name, name of this is podcast? Caleb's wheelhouse. Thing that I'm is what I named it because my name is Caleb. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great, oh and Lord. I stayed for the credits and saw Martin Scorsese's name as executive producer. And I was like, oh, Martin, <laughs> that's cool. He does. It doesn't feel like a Martin Scorsese. It doesn't at, at all. all. No. Uh, that's interesting to hear. You know, it's funny in the run up to this movie. You know, kind of what you hear is it's like English director Jonah Hogg. This movie starring Honor Burns Swinton and featuring Tilda Swinton and. Kind of a minor role as her, Honor Burns Swinton's mom, and you know I had gotten the impression through the media that Joanna Hogg was like a very famous and respected director. She, yeah, she. But had, I would say she's kind of a little bit less well known than that. Uh, I've seen Archipelago. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't really, really retain it too much, but I saw it a couple of years ago. And yeah, she only has like three movies under her belt. Mostly she's directed TV and like mostly honestly bad TV, which, you know, no shade, like getting work. Uh, Just like random British shows. Like she, a bunch of episodes of this show called London Bridge, which is like soap opera or something. Um, I mean, everybody has to start somewhere and everybody has to get work. I don't need any shade at all. Like uh, I've written for the worst outlets in the world, but I just mean she's not like, it's not like she's been making amazing films forever. She's like relatively new to making quality films. Yeah, she started young, uh, at a weird age. She started making films like in her later 40s. Like this yeah. is a autobiographical. She was a film student in the 80s, which yeah, is when this it's movie 1980. Set. It's set in 1980. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I was actually reading about her. She did have a relationship that was very much slimmer to this. And uh, it makes it even more full circle. Uh, her student thesis film is called Caprice, and it stars Tilda Swinton. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's pretty why cool. they're they're longtime friends. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I, I mentioned a little bit before that, you know, that there these movies, this one and Tucker, share this kind of nostalgia thing. And Caleb, you're talking about how it's autobiographical. I definitely think it has this thing where uh, it it's like when you try to make a movie, you know. 
40 years removed about something that was an important part of your life. It's like certain parts of it seem a little clangy and don't really ring true. And they're like where you're just trying to say like, oh, check out the, my vibrant bohemian lifestyle or something. And it's like doesn't really translate because you're an old person now. And that stuff doesn't seem that interesting if you're a, a, a younger person. But I think once you get into the rhythm of, of the film, uh, it, it can be very affecting in times. I think there are moments of it that are like very, very affecting. And I think there are some moments that kind of took me out and seemed a little false. If if you allow it to tell its story to you in the way it wants to, I feel like it, it's a great movie. Yeah, I feel like it was just trying to uh, establish uh, just two separate narratives for uh, this character, like her her as a young creative. Uh, she goes to film school, and then uh, once the uh, great uh, acting from Tom Burke, he plays this character named Anthony. Uh, he comes and he, he and he sucks, and it's like comes <laughs> in in his life, and just, and, and she just uh, he just like overtakes so much of it that she just compartmentalizes uh, her creative uh, or her creative uh, endeavors. And so this movie really becomes like her boxing away uh, the that what she's trying to do creatively and her, with her own relationship, like it's two separate things. And then they eventually come keep coming closer and closer. And there's like really meta weird things in this movie. Like she talks to her uh, advisor and he basically says to her like, Oh, you got to do what you know. And then the movie, as it goes forward, becomes those mm-hmm. things come more entwined. Like there's stuff like that. In the movie just like, oh, that just tickles my fancy so much. It's like a very filmmaker's movie. It is. It is. I mean, uh, it's it's another movie. I I was thinking how many movies that we've done have been about people making movies or yeah. writing movies. It's like a lot of mm-hmm. them. But there's I like, mean, so, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's it's actually really interesting to hear you say all that stuff because I feel like kind of totally the opposite in a lot of ways. Like I don't think that Tom Burke comes off like a piece of shit i mean oh, he is a heroine what are you kidding please, me please please don't interrupt me young man i think he's what's what's so compelling and so tragic about the film is that he is he is charming and he is like an interesting person to be around and he's very compelling and that's why it's such a tragedy that sure. he is destroyed by his heroin addiction like he does things that are bad and he has bad attitudes but the reason that we as an audience are comp- drawn to him and the reason that she as a character is drawn to him is because because he is so he the core of him is compelling and charming and you're somebody you want to be around and like honestly a pleasure to watch on the screen stop torturing yourself i'm not stop inviting me to torture you i was gonna say as an actor like in the scenes where he is being a piece of shit or when he's like on heroin or in heroin withdrawal you still like you can't keep your eyes off him like he's like living in such a way that you know it's like magnetic you know it's magnetic and it's uh yeah and there is like the ravages of heroin taking effect on him but that shouldn't excuse like i just i really do have a section in my notes that says anthony sucks oh my god and i have a list of why he sucks honestly very says tells you a lot about the two of us because i thought i he was very charming i identified with him very strongly Um, so um even as she's like just talking about her uh, film he just asked like bigger i'm not really listening questions like he says oh does she have this character have a secret we can all be sincere but um what's it all for and then she does relate to that but then when he goes and talks talking about his uh own relationships she just asks very specific questions like what's her name what's okay. the colors they're like i think is really interesting but to like that's about- just like shows that like he didn't he he's just like trying to like get her mind going and which is not a bad thing necessarily, but also he's like not really listening to her. Okay, let's. I would love to debate this with you because I took this totally differently. Like as somebody who is like, you know, whatever, I have like work on things. He, like, these questions are good. Like they're like good things she should be thinking about. And it's like humiliating to her that she hasn't thought about it before. And yeah, that's, that's and what it's like to be a young person who's trying to be creative. And he doesn't reciprocate that he's humiliating her and just keeps going on in her but it is it's also, good it's, to only, hear, it's good to hear that's only the top thing, thing on my it's list good to hear that stuff uh, like other that. things that he does this is a big one that i'll just put out right now he robs her and well, then that, blames okay, her bad. for it that's bad that's bad i'm not going to defend i mean that's bad it's bad that's exactly how you make me feel he literally robs her, lies about it for so often, and then when she finds out about it, he says, "Well, it's your fault." <laughs> Which actually, I mean, I found that scene so funny because it's just him. It's he has this whole scene where he just does like logic 
he's just a piece of shit and they're in an abusive relationship and like she doesn't want to she blames herself for everything so she doesn't (laughs) but you know blaming yourself for everything is a form of narcissism uh he always asks for 10 quid he always asks for money he makes her pay for everything which she he probably saw this young person and oh i could right take advantage of that this movie like it starts off uh he just heard that her flatmate was leaving and he basically invites himself over and the next scene is just laying in her bed with her yeah it's so like what the hell this this guy is so pushy yeah that's actually really funny because i was talking uh to my friend ricky who fell asleep during this movie a little (laughs) bit and he was we were talking about like why were they living together before they were in a relationship i forgot this whole thing yeah like there's a bunch of stuff uh, and that's another great thing i love about this movie is that they don't really explain like time is not really uh I wouldn't say about... it's a great thing about the oh, movie. Oh, I love that, yeah. I would, it's just like, it, it. every time there's a new scene, you have no idea how long it's been since the last scene, what location people are in, yeah. what has happened between them in between the you last scenes. Don't hand scenes. things to your audience, man. Make you leap for it. I mean, there's uh, a difference they go between visit... handing things to your audience and like making a film that straightforwardly makes sense. There's the, the, I, there's the, the patterns that she wanted to make straightforward. She did a great job with. Uh, yeah, there's another thing that was like, what the hell? Um they go and visit his family for the right. first time, and there's just another person there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one thing I really loved about the movie was the uh, scenes where they're having dinner with each other's families, which I think there was three of those scenes, like two sure. with her parents and one with his parents, because they just felt so real to me. And obviously, Tilda Swinton is in two of those scenes, so you Tilda's know Tilda Swinton is a famous actress. Old. But like the the actors portraying the parents are so believable and the awkwardness between all of them is so real and it's not over the top like meet the fuckers or something it's just like what it's like to see <laughs> this, people this movie you know? is nothing like beat the fuckers no. but you know what i mean there's a way yeah. that's like p- meeting the parents is awkward they, is like a broad comedy for, premise uh, but this is just very true Julia's parents they cast uh, a real life farmer his first time acting oh, really? first time on camera this old man <laughs> yeah oh, that yeah, totally and, makes sense uh Til- tilda swin great actress just does um old makeup not really old makeup but her hair is gray like she's just always convincingly in her makeup it's so she great. looks great yeah and you know she's not i mean that is her real daughter mm-hmm. so you know it's not yeah, like so she didn't really need to make her that old looking because yeah. she's already her mother but yeah. but then again with an with someone who's like tilda swinton level famous and is in all these movies all the time like uh, maybe that's just what she looks like you know like <laughs> i mean they put so much makeup on her and dye her hair and put her in wigs and stuff like who knows what she looks like for real true because even when you see her what on tv on the street she's still made up to be like i look like a movie star she looks you like know? eugene levy <laughs> A uh, thing I no- kept noticing within this movie that other uh, thing I loved, uh, they kept going uh, from a small shot or something to invoke a sense of size that is small to next shot big, very <laughs> wide, or even like small within that big. Like there's a shot, like it starts off with her in her apartment, uh, and she's even at her apartment where she gets the mail. She always stands at one spot where you get always the mail in the same spot. Uh, they cut from that to... Uh, the foreign office where Anthony works, which is this giant, huge space with paintings yeah. where the souvenir picture hangs. That's the title of the movie. Anyway, but yeah, they cut from small apartment to this big area. Uh, that's like the first instance of it. And I kept like noticing things throughout like that. Um, there's a, when her film schools are close up of her talking to what appears like two male teachers and it's like close up on their faces. Uh, and she's and they're like kind of reaming her a little bit. Uh, and then it just pulls out to that to just show like there's about uh, like uh, 15 people in the room like that she's talking to at the same time yeah. with only the two male were talking uh, within uh, that uh, meeting the parents scene uh, they're uh, in a sitting room uh, they're having this conversation it's like turns to uh, political talk in the dining room then but then that like small conversation turns into just a vague chat outside as they're walking with their dogs and the camera uh, turns around and you just see this epic field Hmm. Such a good shot, and these dogs running. There's like a class dynamic underlying all of this, which is that he appears to be very posh. He has this job at the foreign office, and he has this kind of attitude that's very posh. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she appears to be like a, you know, she would say a punk, but she's just kind of a normal person. She listens to cool music. She's like a. She listens to cool music. Yeah, that's true. Right. So he seems posh. She does not seem posh. But in reality, her family is extremely, extremely wealthy. And his family lives in a very modest, you know, mm-hmm. normal thing, normal to poor. And so then that gives you an extra dimension of their relationship, which is like 
he, you know, he sort of is the classy one, but he has no, he's broke. And, you know, she has an infinite supply of money and has no use for it, which is, you know, why he starts stealing from mm-hmm. her. You know, it kind of makes a kind of sense to him, I guess, you know. Leeches off of her. Leeches off of her. Other thing about this movie is it's, it's so it's a movie about, you know, she goes to like arts school and they spend a lot of time talking about art mm-hmm. right uh and i think it's one of those movies that you c- it tells you the criteria to judge it on which are there are different conversations but they say basically like a piece of art should get a feeling out of you and into another person and also that film should be life as it's really lived not as it you know you would you would want to imagine that it's lived and i think on those two criteria you you have to say the movie's very successful because um definitely you get this kind of mood. It's a very mm-hmm. moody movie. What we were talking about, how it, the scenes are kind of disjointed and stuff. That's because it's trying to have this life as it's really lived, you know, momentum. And it's trying to just communicate emotions to you mostly. Like, I'm excited and about this relationship and I'm nervous about presenting to my class. And, you know, it does all that perfectly. And, you know, it does have a lot of stuff that's kind of like um, the interstitials. It's almost like a sitcom or something. I mean, you can tell she used to direct TV because a lot of times between scenes, she'll just have like an exterior shot, but it's not necessarily where they are. It's just like an exterior shot. Um, But there are these kind of nowhere places that you tend not to see in movies. It's just like a string of Christmas lights with a anonymous half of a building behind it. And I think that also is getting at this like, this is what reality is. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's trying very hard to do that. And and because, you know, well, that's what she thinks a good film is. And I think on those grounds, I think it's great. It definitely nails both of those things. Uh, speaking to those exterior shots, there's a couple exterior shots uh, that help land the whole movie, too. I'll get to that. Like the last two scenes in the movie, uh, I think, are so strong and so powerful. It had me like really electrified in my chair like that's why i go to the movies it's, oh it's no really caleb did feeling. you die i'm so sorry no i just love these last two shots um so like i said this movie is about her finding her creative voice and like owning her own life into that creative voice and the second to last seed is a shot of she's she's directing someone they're sitting in a chair and uh she's standing there as the as a camera moves forward uh so she's literally like starts up in front of the camera and moves behind the camera camera so that's like a weird meta shot too. And then she looks at us, the audience. Like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. I was like, yeah. whoa. And then the very last scene, and this goes back to the inner socials, um, throughout the movie, uh, there's these uh, repeated shot of uh, orange blue sky and trees in the wind while a poem is being spoken. Uh, the final shot is they're opening this giant studio door where they were filming uh, her project. Uh it reveals that that was the same landscape uh, where that was. So it's like that whole blurring of the lines and mashing of like her story and this movie to what it is being told. It's beautiful and strong and powerful. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I thought it was good, dog. You know, I didn't think it was fantastic, but I thought it was good. Yeah, uh, I really liked it. It's uh, my sense. Did of... you? Were you not bored occasionally? No, never. This? You were never bored. No, that was movie. very. It was a good movie. It's it's boring. I mean, parts of it are boring. <laughs> it has that like <laughs> that thing where that English people have where well, you're not looking for small to big shots like I was. It's extremely <laughs> reserved, like on an emotional level and on a dialogue level. I mean, it's very quiet. It's extremely reserved. Oh, there's so much to pay attention like you said um you didn't like how it didn't have like a time like a sense of time to it but like there was a sense of time that you could the the detail stuff uh, like her apartment was always changing like i always was like eating that shit up like uh they would always like change like tiny things in her apartment like there was a radio there oh now there's like this there now they put the dining room there uh because they use that apartment a lot also and uh i can't believe we haven't talked about this Motherfucking Richard Iowati's in this yeah, movie. Yeah. I, I actually really don't like him in the movie. I really don't like. Oh, his he's scene. great in that movie. Yeah. Well, it's just like it's a has... turning point of the movie. That's where they find out that he's a heroin addict. Yeah, but the it way it's kind of heartbreaking. The way that they do it is so. I mean, it it's good, and I think it it comes across fine. It doesn't come across as stupid. But literally, he goes like, "How come you go out with a heroin addict? <laughs> yeah. What, huh?" And she goes, "What? I didn't know." Yeah, they alluded to it once, and then you just kind of forget about it because they oh, never talk about it again. There's this really amazing scene. Yeah, the scene where they first allude to it. She sees he has these like track marks on his arms, these like two puncture wounds, and she goes like, "Oh, what happened there? Like, is it healing up?" And he goes, 
you know, it isn't. <laughs> it's just so great. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah, that's very well. Yeah, Richard I want to get to talk about film and musicals in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah he has a very long monologue about why you should go to film school, <laughs> yeah, which is a... because you can steal the cameras. Yeah, that's... It, it, which is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't learn. You don't learn anything, but get free equipment is basically what he says. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and advice. I will say, I thought the movie had, it was really interesting to look at from a like being in film school point of view, from someone who like kind of went to film school, but not really. Because there's this weird dichotomy where like you're sure you're a genius, but you're very shy <laughs> to say anything. And then you think your professors are all stupid and yet you're desperate for them to tell you something mm-hmm. that's going to like help you. And you, you like really attention. think it's kind of dumb to participate in the class activities because they seem so stupid. But then also like that is what you need to be doing. That's the work. And it, it you just have to let yourself do it. Um, and I, I loved all that stuff. I thought that was all really interesting yeah. and very true, yeah. you know. And she allowed that character who is her to seem like she didn't know what she was doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She fails. Do, uh, you know? They show her first directing gig and she fails at it. Yeah. She's like really getting stressed out and like doesn't know how to... Mm-hmm how to man- manage everything. It's very stressful. Yeah, and there's like nice little film stuff like her riding in a van with her film crew. Yeah. Yeah, just, I don't know, just a movie that was my, like, oh, I'm eating this shit up. I will say, well, like I said before, once you get into the rhythm of it, I, I liked it, mm-hmm. yeah, I will say. And, you know, it has this look to it where it's kind of like old video or old film. Mm-hmm. It was shot on, it was shot on uh, it was 16 shot. millimeter film, beautiful. Yeah, but you know, sometimes that's an, a little annoying. Sometimes it's a little <laughs> annoying because it looks a little fakey sometimes. I like it a lot. Okay, that's cool, dog. <laughs> so that's the souvenir. Uh, yeah, so the next movie we're going to talk about is Tucker, The Man and His Dreams. Paramount Pictures presents a Lucasfilm production of a Francis Coppola film. Big business closes the door and the little guy with a new idea we're sabotaging everything that the country stands for 1988's uh, tucker the man and his dreams it's a story about failure and success and the extremely fine line between the two of them uh, it's set in the 1940s it's the mostly true story of the uh, real person named preston tucker who's played by Jeff Bridges in this movie, uh, who's sort of a proto-Elon Musk. Uh, Like, he's made a fortune in World War II, designing, like, a part of an airplane that, in fact, was never used. But he got a bunch of money, and now he's trying to design a newer, safer car, which means he's taking on the big three automakers. Um, And its central question is basically whether Tucker, who raises a lot of cash, but only actually manages to make 50 cars, and that's, like, he only barely manages to make 50 cars is like a huckster or a genius like was he you know just conning people out of money or did he really want to revolutionize the automobile sector um as a film honestly uh, i was left at the end wondering the same thing like was this good or was this bad it was like kind of hard to figure it out um it seems like it should be good it stars jeff bridges uh christian slater joan allen and martin landau uh it was directed by francis ford coppola it was produced by george lucas it was nominated for three oscars but then it's like okay it didn't actually win any of those oscars (laughs) and also it was produced by uh uh, it was produced by George Lucas and it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola when they were at like the fucking like bottom of their careers. Like Francis Ford Coppola had done this movie, The Cotton Club, which was like a huge flop. Uh, and uh, George Lucas had just made Howard the Duck, mm-hmm. which is like still a famously huge flop. So the two of them make this movie and like it looks great. It has this very stylish, you know, nostalgic 1940s look to it. But um you know, it's also kind of a mess. I would say the tone is all over the place. It doesn't really get into the, give you any insight mm-hmm. into Tucker, the yes. man. Uh, yeah, I mean, Caleb, what did yeah. you think about this I would movie? agree with that. Um, yeah, I would say that was my biggest issue was that uh, he, they show Tucker as, Preston Tucker as this can-do, uh, I'm going to go against these giant spirits, but they never show him wrestling with that. Like, he just was always like, nope, going to go straight forward. Like, they never show him like as a yeah, real exactly. person. So it gives us like a weird sense of whimsy. Uh, it is very like a very broad cr- crowd pleasing yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely. It's trying to be very commercial. Yeah, and nostalgic. it was like the only 
Coppola thing. I feel like he snuck in there. Was there was like one time they showed a safety video of uh, cars being crashed. Yeah, uh, and, and he just snuck in a bunch of bloody faces. And I was like, oh, good for. Yeah, that's cool. Like this is a very happy, feel good movie. And then that scene was like, whoa. Yeah. So the thing about it is, it's supposed to be uh, an homage to like Frank Capra. It's got this yeah. very 1940s, 1930s feel to it. Like you know, the title cards, the music, uh, the settings, everything. It's very Frank Capra. And actually, George Lucas tried to get. Uh, Frank Capra involved with the project oh, damn. and Frank Capra said uh, no Tucker's a loser I don't want anything to do with that <laughs> uh, also- <laughs> because in, in reality the guy he got sued by the SEC he lost his company uh, and there was this big trial which is the climax of the movie mm-hmm. and the question is is he a fraud or is he for real um, and I think in history people kind of think of this guy uh, you know he's not 100% yeah. a fraud but mostly a fraud <laughs> it's all fucking nuts basically dude there's a it, towards the end of the movie, there's a scene where the police are chasing him. He's drunk. He's lost his company. They're going to arrest him and send him to jail. And he's leading the police on a 100-mile-an-hour car chase, like drinking out of a bottle of whiskey. And it's playing Bugs Bunny cartoon music. It's like, waka 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 womp And it, they treat it like it's funny. But like that's not funny at all. Like This dude's fucking life is ruined. Uh, it did have overtones of this episode of The Simpsons where Homer built a car hmm. with Uncle Herb. It actually did, except yeah. that episode I think was more <laughs> dramatic yeah, and serious concise. than this movie. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Had had better stakes. Uh, yeah, the, there's a lot of like behind the scenes stories. Yeah, right. But it's like, like uh, Coppola wanted to make this movie like in his 70s, like when he was making Apocalypse Now and the Godfather yeah, yeah. movies. He wanted to make this so much earlier, no one would do it for him. And he even doesn't like the movie. He just worked with George because George needed a hit. Kind of. Well, it was like. Suppose so. Yeah, I read about this too, and it was like he wanted to make some kind of experimental movie. Yeah, he wanted to make more musical (laughs) and a musical, and um, then he nobody wanted to fund that, and he was like, "All right, fine, I'll just make like a regular movie about it." (laughs) Um, but it's definitely one of those cases where you're like, if everybody. If you're Francis Ford Coppola and you're very famous and you cannot get anyone to let you make this movie, like, hear that, you know, take that message in because maybe (laughs) it's not good. Maybe you should not be doing it. Uh, He he gets carte blanche just because he made some amazing movies. He made The Godfather so he can go off that like for a long time and he still does go off that. He should go off that because... You want to see, like, oh, if he's capable of making The Godfather, let's see what other things he's capable of doing. Right. Uh, but like you said, actually, you said that you referenced The Cotton Club. The movie I was going to reference as his big flop was actually the one before that. Uh, it was called One from the Heart, which is a, oh, yeah. a big bomb. Uh, it was a musical set in Las oh, Vegas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had, like after that, which was in the early 80s, he did put out some like interesting stuff. But uh, One from the Heart basically bankrupt his own. He had his own studio, <laughs> Zoe Trope. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that bankrupt the studio like 10 years later. Uh, but yeah, Rumblefish was right after there. I like Rumblefish. It's on Criterion. Mm. Um, the Outsiders, which is probably a sure, paycheck movie. Yeah. Uh, but the, but look at the good yeah. movie. I mean, it's a good movie. Yeah, I kind of like Cotton Club, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to say it's bad, but I would say yeah. it was like not successful. Uh, and also, Peggy Sue Got Married was right in there, too. Yeah. But also, uh, after this movie, he also did Jack, which I always forget, like. <laughs> Uh, Martin Scorsese directed <laughs> a movie where Robin Williams plays a giant child. <laughs> Wait, Fran- Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, sorry, right? yeah, Francis yeah, Ford. Francis Who was I say? You said uh, Martin Scorsese. Oh, sorry, sorry, Martin. Yeah, sorry, Francis. Okay. Another interesting story. Did you read about the um, the writing credits for this movie? No. So, uh, oh, I di- I actually did hear about so, this. So uh, yes. David Seidler, uh, who went on to win an Oscar for King's Speech, which sucks. Uh, <laughs> he got a writing credit, but he just was first attached to the project. He actually yeah. did. No writing well, on this movie. He had movie. written an earlier version yeah. of the script, but this movie had, contains nothing from that version. But he still got a writing credit on the movie. Yeah, uh, it was actually written by a great writer. His name is uh, Arnold Schnulman. Great if you like movies. If you are listening to this podcast and <laughs> say, like "Hey, I too, like movies," yeah, right. uh, check out his stuff. Uh, he does a lot of uh, Broadway adaptations. He's uh, did the with the screenplays to a Funny Lady, a Chorus Line. They night they rated Minsky's. <laughs> which is a William Friedkin movie that Norman Lear produced. It was very good. Uh, it's about early burlesque. It's a very good movie. He wrote that. He has a lot of cool writing credits, and also Tucker, A Man in His Dream. <laughs> uh, like oh I said, we uh, um, might reference the uh, Vittorio Storaro, uh, who is a two-time Oscar winner, 
Uh, he did the cinematography for Apocalypse Now, The Last Emperor he won for. Oh, he also did Reds, that Warren Beatty movie, which is a really cool movie. He also did Ishtar and The Last Tango in Paris. Great cinematographer. So there's a lot of like cool people on this. Uh, what were their other Oscar nominations? I have it written down. Oh, um, oh they were, yeah. Uh, set design, uh, which is a very underrated Oscar. Uh, I would say they design. are minor Oscar nominations. Yeah, but uh, the guy who did this is uh, Francis Ford Coppola's guy, yeah, uh, Dean Tavarlis. Yeah, art direction and costume design. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dean Tavarlis, he also did the Godfather film. Mm-hmm. So he got the Godfather guy working on this in Apocalypse Now, obviously. And the costume design... Uh, uh, I forgot to write down her name, but she is insanely uh, for Oscars. Barry Lyndon, Chariots of Fire, Kubrick. She worked Kubrick well, yeah, movies. Yeah, I mean, great. Uh, and more recently, Marie Antoinette, Grand Budapest Hotel. Well, this is the thing that I was saying when I was saying, like, <laughs> I didn't know if it was a good movie or a bad movie because it looks great. Yeah, it's like, great. Like, it looks great. The photography is great. Yeah, the set design is great. The costumes look great. The actors all are pretty good, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just... So you're like, okay, this is a good movie that I'm looking at. But then... It's a the... feel-good, inoffensive movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, and then did, did you say that Martin Landau? Oh, he and he won a Golden Globe for this? No, really. So he was nominated for Best Supporting Best Actor. Best Supporting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Which, I mean, he is good in the movie, and he's tragic. You know, he's got a bad past. He's, yeah. He has to make a noble sacrifice at some point, which he is very good at. He does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's talk about more of the cast. Dean Stockwell plays Howard Hughes. Oh, yeah, I love he's, that's like a fun Which is a very out. cool... Uh, uh, shot scene in the shot through the shadows and stuff. Yeah, yeah cool. Cameo. Oh, and speaking of fun cameos, the reason we did yeah. it is that uh, Jeff Bridges' dad, Lloyd Bridges, plays the villain of the movie the who's center. trying to destroy Tucker. Mm-hmm. And they have like one long scene together uh, where basically they're being cordial, but uh, Lloyd Bridges is threatening his son. And it's like fun. Mm-hmm. They, they have a good rapport between them, you know, and, you know, kind of easy way of like give like giving each other shit which mm-hmm. i think is pretty good uh it was nice to see uh i kind of put it together uh lloyd who i only know from like airplane and hot shots part do and jane austen's mafia <laughs> <laughs> movies i like referencing because i'm an idiot yeah uh, but he has so huge credits but his whole uh byline or like his whole mo as an actor his character is um uh, just this very nice guy and even jeff's like this too they both are just very nice like personable people uh, but that nice guy over here doesn't hide so much that they're like actual like hard asses or like mm. sharks underneath. It just shows that uh, more it works in tone with them. Like it's lets you know that they're making a conscious deci- decision on how to behave other than like I could turn on the dime. Like they're just happy people because they choose to be happy, which is very good acting. To yeah. Have, like really well-rounded characters and uh, even Bo sometimes like that too. <laughs> <laughs> How is Bo these days? Oh, he's What's on he Blackish. Oh, is he on Blackish? He plays uh, Rainbow's mom. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, so this movie actually, it, so like we're saying, it's kind of a swing in a big commercial mm-hmm. movie, and it is that in a lot of ways. It only made $19 million. It cost like, like 26, people, I think. Yeah, it, I think it's not actually public. You see oh. like 23 to 26. So it lost some amount of money, not counting marketing. Uh, and it actually came in number 50 for the year in 1988. Would you? I wrote down the top movies of the year. Whoa, would, what were would, they? Would you like to guess? Roger Rabbit's up there? Uh, is that 88? No, I don't think so. I think that was earlier than 88. Oh, no, you're actually, you're right. That's that's number two. Oh, number cool. two. It made 156. Roger Rabbit did? Yeah. Roger Rabbit's so brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> I saw it on my birthday, I think. I think it came out on my oh, birthday. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> um, number one was Rain Man. Oh, wow. A movie like Rain Man would never come... It was the number one movie of the year. Wow. But it also only made $172 million, which is like... I mean, adjusted for inflation, that's a lot. But these days, that's like two weeks, Mm -hmm. you know, for like a big movie. Uh, And then you've got Coming to America is number three. Big... And wow. then number five, you're never going to... I mean, you maybe can see I, it on my screen. I can't see it. It's Twins. Hmm. Twins is the number five movie of the year. Arnold and DeVito. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other insights to say about Tucker. I uh, mean, it's like... it. What it definitely made me think about was this thing of like these kinds of bigger-than-life American characters that are maybe hucksters and maybe geniuses mm-hmm. like i mean elon musk there's a whole reddit thread on the uh cars subreddit like is tucker elon musk or is elon musk a modern tucker mm. and uh everybody 
defends Elon Musk. They're like, no, he's way better. Fuck you. Elon Musk rules. I mean, obviously, if you're going to say like X versus Elon Musk on Reddit, like, yes, Elon Musk <laughs> comes out ahead. Yes, every single time. Uh, I will say, because I looked it up, her na- the costume designer, legendary, her name is uh, Milena Canonero. Uh, and two other things I didn't mention that she designed... Uh, the costumes in The Shining, another Kubrick film, but oh, like those cool. costumes are weirdly iconic. Uh, but she also did, and I was blown away when I read this. She did the costuming for the TV show Miami Vice. What? <laughs> no yeah. fucking way! It's crazy. You're telling me the same costume designer did The Shining and Miami Vice? Yeah, right, dude. I mean, wow. what do you remember about Miami Vice? Like that they had the clothes. Yeah, that's <laughs> the number one thing you remember about Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah. that's so, amazing. I'm glad I brought that back up. Uh, that's super cool. So, yeah, that's that's Tucker. That's Tucker. Mm-hmm, Honestly, yeah. it's not that. If great. Any, it's not great. Uh, what, uh, another reason why we chose this. Uh, well, I I convinced Chris to choose this. <laughs> Besides, <laughs> oh, my love right. of Lloyd Bridges was that it was uh, free on YouTube. It's free YouTube, on YouTube movies. It's a very weird thing. Yeah. I don't know if you've like, explored. We have YouTube. so many streaming options, but also YouTube did that game too. <laughs> yeah, I I had never in my life used YouTube movies before. And I've it, used like YouTube to watch a movie in parts, like a cult yeah. movie that's like ripped off of something. But this yeah. is like officially yeah. through YouTube. It, yeah. Like the channel's name is YouTube Movies. Yeah, it's free. And the idea is that it's ad supported, that you're going to watch ads, but I saw maybe a total of one minute of ads through the entire movie. Yeah, and I saw zero. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, crazy. It's wild. And the quality of this very good quality, very good quality. I watched it on my giant tv and it looked great oh i think uh, the guy from youtube's here is to, find, to give us our checks now. oh great i'm very <laughs> excited about that cha-ching yeah. <laughs> we made money no actually uh it was surprisingly if you ever are on a fence about it yeah just, i would say do it yeah, for okay. sure Go you know it. what it keeps suggesting to me is canadian bacon oh yeah <laughs> it's also on there yeah <laughs> which i rented for three dollars oh man Amazon. you're wasting I your know. money dude you gotta yeah. check you gotta, gotta check, check youtube, YouTube movies dog. youtube boobs <laughs> um yeah so uh caleb let's say you had to make some kind of choice i'm ding, gonna say ding, an ding. actually best choice yeah actually best choice you could go first i always go first oh i mean you gotta go with the souvenir yeah. obviously i mean there's a certain kind of charm to this i have talked extensively about how the late 80s to early 90s are my dream period uh-huh. and i love media made for lame old white people during that period but uh even given that it, you gotta go with, you gotta go with the souvenir Sugar is uh, something else it's a uh, it's i'm still unwrapping it a couple uh, a week later uh yeah i souvenir is better uh we're at five months in i i think it might be in my top three movies of really wow 2000 what year is this 19 19, 19 yeah. yeah uh Number one being her smell, which we covered. Oh in, yeah, great movie. And a movie I like called Relaxer. Oh, we didn't, we didn't do. No, that. yeah, it's. I think it's out of theaters already. Yeah, but it might be on demand or something. But it's why a, did a, Caleb? Cool. Why didn't yeah. we do that? If it's your number three movie of the year, we gotta. Uh, well, top three, yeah. Uh, no, we'll do it. One uh, more. We can do it. Um, but yeah, I guess that bumps us. I don't know. I guess a souvenir. I'll put the souvenir. In my top us, three. I feel like us has not aged well. Like the longer we uh, go on, it was such a weird thing because the cultural conversation just died out so quickly from that. And I think people are starting to say, like, was that actually good? Oh. I think maybe it wasn't. It was good. fun. It was fun. It was fun and had good horror tropes to it. Especially because I've been the, reading, uh, like, the last episode of the new Twilight Zone came out, and I guess people really hated it. And yeah, it's that's like, been getting really weird reviews. So that whole thing was not very good. And then in retrospect, people are like, also, Us was not good. So I feel like that's pretty bad Ooh. for Jordan Peele. He also does a show I watched starring Tracy Morgan and Tiffany Haddish. Two great people. Oh, sure. And that show is called The Last OG. The and last it's, OG. Not it's not that very good. good. It's not very good. It has good. a great pilot, but it's never lived up to it since then. I usually end up on my phone when I watch it. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't watch it for a long time, and then I watched the pilot, which took two sittings for whatever uh, reason, and I was like, that's fine. Yeah, the and, pilot's and, the best episode. And to hear that's the best episode, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. All right, well, that's the show for this week, kids. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks with another two movies. It's two for two from these two knuckleheads. Uh, me Too movement. Why did I bring that up? Oh, why? (laughs) No. Get out of here. Caleb, shut up. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Love you.